0: So um, Andy and I are going to be speaking, Uh, we're just going to sort of say that a second, but uh, for any of you who aren't necessarily brilliant at spotting the obvious, um, I'm Laura and this is Andy and uh, we're married for those of you who don't know as well, so that is, thank you very much. Oh thanks. For, uh, yeah, so that, that I think will be probably brought in a little bit as well. Uh, and we're really excited about sharing with you guys tonight. I guess some of the stuff we're sharing uh, is some of the stuff that we believe that God has shared with us as a couple, uh, I think really over the last year. So we're excited, oh, pearls of wisdom is a bit much, but excited about sharing what we have with, with you guys. But I'm going to pray before we do that. Father God, uh, I ask that during these next little whiles, uh, we would really meet with you. God, I pray that tonight might be a night where our lives are changed, not because Andy and I have got anything great to say, but because you show up, God. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here right from the beginning, although you've already been here, but God, we actively invite you to make a difference in our lives and change us. So God, I pray that you would help us to remove anything that might be stopping us hearing from you, because we have come here to meet with you tonight. Amen.
1: Amen. Um, Tonight, you're probably going to get a little bit of an insight in what it's like in our marriage. Uh, The last time me and Laura spoke together, uh, I made a cry while we were preparing. Um, So far, I've not made a cry, but there's still time. Um, That'd be
0: awkward, wouldn't it? Well, that could
1: be really awkward. At this point. Um, But one of the things that you might not know about Laura is Laura loses everything, And it's probably my role as a husband can easily be defined as finding the things that Laura's lost. Uh, We're constantly looking for Laura's phone. She loses her Bible. But one of the things that she always loses is her keys. We're constantly having to look around the house, go back into church to find her church keys, go back into the house to find her house keys. We're constantly stood outside of places because neither of us have got our keys. Laura is always, always losing
0: And uh, I feel like if it's share time, it's only fair to share something about Andy. (laughs) Um, If you ever want Andy to do anything for you, if you offer him nectar points, he'll do it in a shot. Uh, He's like a nectar bee. Anything that involves nectar points, he will do or sign up for. I learned very early on in our marriage that I was never to go to any petrol station that wasn't BP or Sainsbury's. And if I did, uh, Tim Davies is nodding, if I did, there will be serious consequences to that. For the first year of our marriage, there would always be a check as well once I came back from the petrol station. Have you used your nectar card, Dora? Yes. Have you got the Nectar card back with you? Yes. Okay, let's go. So now, I have it ingrained in me. Any other petrol stations practically don't exist. So, anything to do with Nectar points, if you want him to do something, that's your key, right there. Offering me your Nectar card.
1: To be fair, though, in my defence, like... We have saved up quite a lot of Nectar Points, Um, and in the past we've had, you know, free trips to the cinema, days out to Alton Towers, Thorpe Park, we've even this summer got £200 off EasyJet flights um, for our holiday, which is very exciting. So it is worth going the extra mile to a BP, (laughs) rather than going to the Shell Garage on Manor Way that's closer, we'll go up to Windsor High School where there's the BP, because it's worth it for the points.
0: Great. So we will be revisiting that later. You can decide for yourselves. Um, But tonight, we, like I said before, want to share with you something that I guess God's put on our heart a little bit. What we want to talk about is uh, heaven. And we are not going to necessarily be describing what we think heaven will look like, full of nectar points and all sorts Uh of things. Um, But actually, we want to talk about heaven as we live today. We're not going to be, you'll be grateful, doing votes on who we think is and isn't going to heaven in the room either. We are going to talk about what does it mean to live for heaven now? What does it mean to be a person who lives with heaven in mind? And so uh, I am going to read from Matthew 6, verses 19 to 21. Uh, Ironically, I was going to read from the NIV version, but I've lost my Bible, so we're going with the New Living Translation this evening, and I'm using my old Bible. Uh, It's Matthew 6, verses 19 to 21. And it says this. Don't store up treasures here on earth where they can be eaten by moths and get rusty and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where they will never be moth-eaten or rusty and where they are safe from thieves. Wherever your treasure is, there your thoughts and your heart will also be.
1: So, if we're honest, we don't really think about heaven that much, do we? I know, personally, I don't spend a lot of my time thinking about heaven. And when we hear that verse about storing up, don't store up earthly treasures, but store up heavenly treasures, it's easy to sit there and think, yeah, I've got that nailed. You know, for, for us, we can think, well, we're youth workers. We do a lot of investing in, in young people. We invest in what we believe God is saying to us and saying to us for the young people. And it's easy for us to sit there I think we've got this nailed. But actually about 12 months ago um, in the summer, we both read a book called Crazy Love by Francis Chan and God totally challenged us on this verse. You see, from a, from a work uh, and a ministry point of view, we're great at this verse but actually God really challenged us in our personal lives. What does this look like in our personal lives? When we're not at church, when we're not at work, how are we storing up heavenly treasures rather than earthly treasures? And we do store up Earthly treasures, we naturally do it. you know I, I love storing up the nectar points because there 's a treat at the end of it. we A lot of us have got money put away for a rainy day. We love storing up earthly treasures and i 've got a box here, probably like a box like any other box that you 've got in your attic filled with stuff um, it says gentle touch on it i don 't really so it's know nice why isn 't it <laughs> um, but We've got, we've got so much stuff in storage, and uh, there's some items in here that are going to help us explore this a little bit further. The first item in here is a PlayStation controller. I spend a lot of my life playing PS3. Never when I'm in work, just so you know that, Leon. Um, but I, I love playing PS3. It is actually a part of my ministry. I feel like uh, God has called me. <laughs> Just there. keep going,
0: it's
1: fine. Um, I believe, it's believe, part of my ministry, God has called me to be good at FIFA, um, so I can give the young people a beating when I play them. Um, but I, I enjoy playing it in my spare time, I enjoy relaxing, but often I will while away the hours playing PS3. There'll be often times when I, when I sit there and I probably should be spending time with God or I probably should be doing housework, jobs, but I've got to get to the next level on the game that I'm on or I've got to, I've got to win the league or something ridiculous like that. You see, we spend a lot of time um, investing in earthly stuff. You know, for you, it might, be, it might be that little box in the corner of the room called the TV that you cannot afford to miss the next episode of EastEnders, or you cannot afford to miss the brand new film that's come out. Or it might be the little black box that sits in your pocket, and you're constantly connected to your phone, you're constantly having to check your phone. You know, you you constantly, I do this all the time, you think your phone has vibrated because you felt your leg move a little bit, and then you check your phone and you go, oh, no, no one loves me, oh, well... (laughs) Or we feel constantly connected to Facebook and Twitter. We feel like we almost become a slave to Facebook and Twitter. You know, I gave up um, Twitter for Lent, and I was surprised at how much time I spent on Twitter. I was surprised at how much I didn't miss it when I, when I didn't have it. And I think for a lot of us, we waste a lot of time on things like Facebook and Twitter, on YouTube. And actually, if you were to break down your, your hours and your times into percentages... How much of, of a percentage of your time would be invested in investing in the future for heaven? You see, I don't want to look I'm I'm a little bit scared to look at a timetable and, and the percentages of what I do. Because actually, you'll see where someone's priorities are if you break down their time and what they're invested in. You see that verse says where, you, where your heart is, your treasure is also. The next item in here is a pillow. Um, It's got a few threads hanging out of it because the dog has had a go at it. Um, But how much time do do we spend investing in trying to be comfortable? You know, Jesus doesn't call us to a comfortable life. Jesus doesn't say, you know, follow me and it'll all be easy and it'll all be dead comfortable. You'll get the, the latest cars. You'll have a big house. See, Jesus says small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. But yeah, we want to be comfortable, don't we? We want to have a comfortable car. We want to we um, have a great house. And none of that stuff is wrong. But how much of your headspace is focused on being comfortable? How much are you focused on, I cannot wait to go on holiday. I love being on holiday. But you know, I can't, I can't live for August when I go on holiday. Because actually, I've got, to, I've got to follow God now. And it's not about being comfortable. Following Jesus isn't about being comfortable. And one more item in here. It's quite light. It's my wallet. and um,
0: Heavy with nectar points.
1: <laughs> it is filled with nectar points. Um, money. Money is such an easy way to see what we're invested in. You see, uh, Paul Reed came and spoke to us a number of months ago. And one of the things that he said is, um, I want to give money to, to organizations like the Bible Society. Because one day when I get to heaven, I want to stand next to somebody and find that they're, they're there because they were given a Bible by Bible Society. And they, and they were able to get that Bible because I gave them money. See, that is a great way of investing our money in, in, in heavenly treasures. You see, but, but we, again, if you were to break down what, where you spend your money, you'll see where your heart is and you'll see where your priorities are. And that's a challenge for us. That was one of the areas that God really challenged us on is, is what are we spending our money on? You see, when we look at these items, they um, can open up some questions on, on where our heart is, and we're going to explore that a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're really, really aware. that This is a difficult topic because I think, uh, whilst in one sense we have a natural mindset of saving for the future and putting things away, at the same time there's this tension in our culture that everything is needed now. Uh, instant gratification, if you like. So having now what will make you happy. And uh, we, we don't really have a mindset of saving often. So we'd say, why would I wait a year to get that when I could get it now? Why would I wait a few months to get that? Why would I even wait until I get paid when I could get a quick loan now? And then uh, it's all sorted and I'll just pay it back in a few days' time. That idea of waiting and waiting for the long haul in a sense of heaven is something that we are not necessarily naturally used to doing because we're so used to just getting what we want in the immediate. Now, I really think that's part of something that's ingrained in our culture, whether you want to call it post -post postmodern or the digital age, or whatever you want to call it. That is a part of the society that we live in. And uh, how you live differently in that, it's it's a real struggle. And I was trying to work out, why is it that our culture is so like that? Why is it that we demand the things we want now? And one of the reasons, one of the only real reasons that I could come up with it's because at the minute, so many people do not have certainty in God. So many people don't believe that there's something greater. So many people don't believe that there's anything to live for after we die. So for a lot of people, they genuinely believe that this is as good as it gets. And so they'll spend their money on a new sofa because that is as good as it gets. They'll spend loads and loads of money on a PS3 game that they don't really need because this is as good as it gets. And for me, that breaks my heart. I think, Really? Does life get no better than my sofa? I've got a great sofa, thanks mum and dad. But is that it? Really? As Christians, we are called to so much more than that. You see, as Christians, we have a guarantee that if we, when we are in a relationship with God, that one day we will see God face to face. And I don't know how long I've got left to live. I could have 20 minutes. I could have hours. I could have months, years. I could have 20 years. I could have 80 years. I don't know. But what I do know is the length of time that I will spend face to face with God. Eternity in heaven. will be at, This life will be absolutely nothing compared to that. This will be a blink of an eye compared to where I will end up being, which is ultimately home. We, that song that we sang before, I was singing it and I really felt like, I think some songs you kind of mouth and you sort of switch off and think about dinner and that sort of thing, if you're honest. But that song, while I was singing it, you kind of stood there going, do you know what, there's something inside of a human that cries out for that. That one day there will be no more pain, no more suffering. That the things that you struggle with now won't be there anymore. That feeling of hurt, depression, forgiveness, debt. All of those things will be wiped away. And it says in the Bible that, as we see God at the minute, like a mirrored reflection, one day we will see him face to face, something so intimate that he will wipe away every tear from our eye. There will be nowhere else that we'd rather be, and we will be home, the thing that we were very created for to do, the thing where sometimes now we'll sit in a place and say, you know what, I just don't fit here. That's because we were created for something so much bigger. And yet we live so often like it gets, all it gets as good as is a sofa, And so I would ask the question, if we're Christians, then our perspective is called to be different. The thing that we invest in, through all those things that Andy just mentioned, are called to be different. But do we live like we're living for something else? Andy.
1: A really uh, good example of this was uh, in 2007, my granddad uh, suddenly passed away. And if any of you have ever lost a loved one, you'll know that uh, one of the hardest things is clearing out their stuff. And uh, for us as a family, when my granddad died, he he suddenly died of a heart attack and his his shoes were still in the corridor, his his shirts and his ties were still in the cupboard, his money was still in the bank, his car was still on the drive. You see, my granddad, when he died, went and stood before God and none of the stuff that he bought, none of the, the material items were there with him. All he could stand before God with was who he was and who he'd taken with him. And you see, that, that was a real challenge for me when, when, I, when I stood there as a 19-year-old, as a knowing that my granddad had gone and, and, and knowing what my granddad had done. And I was challenged by this. And fortunately, my granddad was a person that got this. Um, My granddad was a full-time plumber, he worked in a plumber's merchants, Uh, but in his spare time he was a part of Gideon's International, and Gideon's International worked all over the world delivering Bibles and doing all sorts of different stuff. Um, And My granddad did this in Liverpool, he he spent his time going into into high schools and giving New Testament and Psalms uh, to to New Year 7 students, Uh, but one of the main things that he did was he would go into Liverpool prison two or three times a week. And he would go and he would sit in cells with inmates and he would talk to them about God. He would read the Bible with them and he would do all sorts of stuff with them. And, and it was incredible and actually it had a real impact on me um, in my life. And um, that week in between him dying and the funeral, uh, we cleared out the cupboard and I found a shoebox full of letters from inmates. And I sat... the bed and I I browsed through them and one of them really stuck in my head and it was it was from an inmate who who my granddad had led to becoming a Christian and this guy was thanking my granddad he'd been moved to another prison and he was thanking him and he was saying thank you for introducing me to Jesus but also thank you for helping me to follow Jesus you see my granddad was a man that understood that that we're not called to just sit back and wait for heaven We're not called to just sit back and go, oh, it's okay. I've got my ticket to heaven. I'm going to be all right. You see, as Christians, we're called to bring heaven to earth. We're called to open the door for heaven to come to earth. Why don't you take a look at this clip? Matthew 16 says this. It's from the message version. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth or earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven
0: fantastic. Andy mentioned at the beginning that I am not good with keys, and I really am not. Um, This week, I can't even remember which day it was, one day this week, I um, left the house and realised I'd forgotten my house keys, got to work and realised I'd forgotten my work keys, and then I borrowed Andy's keys and then lost his keys. So in one day, I'd successfully lost or forgotten three different sets of keys. And um, those days are never good days for me. Uh, The days when I forget my keys, which are fairly frequent, are slow days. Uh, They give you, obviously access to the things that you need access to. You can't go the places that you want to go when you haven't got your keys. And it just makes life very difficult for, for myself, really. Um, in this passage, it talks about the fact that God has given every person who is in a relationship with Jesus a set of keys, keys to unlock doors. And uh, in that clip that we saw before, um, Sully, the Big one, Mike. The little round one, and Boo, the little girl. They, um, they were running out in and out of these doors. And every time they went through a door, it took them into a new situation, which was completely absurd, completely unexpected, but transformed the world around them. Now, I believe that God has given every single person in a relationship with Jesus. This set of keys, and uh, those keys open doors. And those doors, as Andy said before about his granddad, give us access to the kingdom of heaven. Heaven isn't something that we just sit back and wait for, but actually God calls us to open doors here on earth to let the kingdom of heaven enter now. And those doors, um, we choose whether we use our keys on them or not. I think we have different responses to different doors, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. But each one of those doors can look very different. It might be uh, that you are really hurt by someone. It might be that the door for you, that access point for heaven, is really finding forgiveness for someone. Someone who's hurt you. Someone who's really, really done some damage, but you know that you need to forgive them. And so that's your door. And you use those keys and you step through that door and you allow something of what heaven will be to come to earth. And you know what? For some people, that is the only glimpse of heaven that they will ever see. And so it is so important that we are good stewards of our keys. You see, I think that we can be, um, have all sorts of doors in front of us throughout a day. And I think we respond differently to these doors. Some doors I think we step through and the world is transformed around us and we have an incredible experience. Other doors I think we walk past and only realise they were doors once we've walked past them and run back and try and push the door open because we nearly missed it. I think other doors we see, we keep our keys in our pocket. And we decide to leave the door shut and i'm just going to talk a little bit about that
1: yeah a great example of somebody opening a door was um a number of weeks ago it was a sunny bank holiday monday i remember that because they don't come around very often um and i got a phone call off two of our young people and they were in starbridge town center i think it was and they called me to say andy we've just seen a homeless lady what should we do we want to do something What should we do? And we had a little conversation, and we decided together that they should go and buy her some food. So they hung up the phone, and then for the next 20 minutes or so, I was getting text updates. It was like watching the BBC Live text website. It was like, we're in the queue. We're getting her chicken and chips. Um, We've got it. We've gone outside. She's not there anymore. What should we do? Um, Oh, she's back. And then we've given them to her. She said thank you. And it was just an incredible um, opportunity that these two young people saw, that they saw a homeless person and thought, you know what, this is an opportunity for heaven to come to earth. And all they did was go and buy a chicken and chips. But I was really challenged and encouraged by those two young people that day because they didn't walk past the door. They opened it and they used their keys.
0: Yeah, so sometimes we step through an open door. Sometimes... um we only realised it was a door until we walked right past it. I am someone who is living proof that Jesus loves even really silly people. And uh, I'm, I'm a classic at realising what's happened a little bit too late. And anyone who knows me at the minute is looking at each other like, yeah, <laughs> it's so true. Um, I was at this youth camp a little while ago and uh, I didn't really know anyone there. Uh, but I was in at the back in this seminar and it was kind of the, the worship time was going on. And sometimes when you're a Christian... Uh, when you're in a relationship with God, sometimes what God will do is he'll put a picture in your mind. And these pictures can sometimes be of water or plants, that's quite common. But sometimes there are things that you don't really understand. And um, the reason God will do that is so that you could then be prompted to go and share that and encourage someone with that. It might be that someone needs to be told something from God and they're not hearing it themselves. There can be all sorts of reasons. But I'm stood at the back of this worship thing. I'm stood there, worshipping away, having a great time. And I get this picture in my head of sandpaper. And that's all I got. Now, usually I get a little bit more than just a picture of some sandpaper. I don't usually get sandpaper. And um, I'm stood there, and I'm like, sandpaper. And I'm looking around, and there's quite a few people there. And I don't know anyone. So I'm just thinking, I could look really odd here. That, why would God say sand? No, that was totally me. I'm not sandpaper. Yeah, right. Mm, back into the worship. And um, at the end of the session... There was another youth leader, who I didn't really know, who stood next to me. And uh, we started talking, and he's like, oh, this, that, and the other. I do this. And I was like, oh, that's great. And for some reason, I decided to divulge what I thought this picture that I'd had during the worship. <laughs> you have no idea. During the worship, I had this picture of sandpaper. This woman just looks at me. I was like, Oh. This is awkward. I thought she hadn't got the funniness of the story. It's like, (laughs) sandpaper! And she looks at me, and I thought, oh no, this means something, doesn't it? She said, do you know, yesterday there was a seminar, and the whole response was about sandpaper. And at that point, that's the point you look back and you see the door closing behind you, but there's still a little bit of light that if you run fast enough, you can kick the door back open. So all of a sudden, I found everyone who was a willing adult going, right, sandpaper. Just go up to people saying sandpaper. So all these adults are running around as the youth are leaving the venue going, sandpaper, does it mean anything to you? You only get it at a Christian event. And um, all of a sudden, this girl is at the back and someone finds her and is like, sandpaper, does it mean anything? And she's like, yes, brilliant. And um, it turns out that this response had happened the day before and... I think it had been around forgiveness and she didn't really believe that God had forgiven her for something. And so for her, this was a real confirmation in her mind that God had done exactly what he said he had done yesterday. And um, I think sometimes God can give us these doorways and often we don't realise them until it's too late. And that can look like having a picture for someone. It could like, look like mending a relationship. It could look like saying sorry. It could look like uh, giving financially to something that uh, the, se- the idea seemed like a good time but right now you could have spent the money on something else. And with those doors that are still open, you haven't let it shut yet, I'd really encourage you go back and if there's a slither of light in that doorway, kick it down because you don't know the way in which someone's world could be transformed when heaven comes to earth and impacts their life.
1: Sometimes we... Walk past the doors. I remember a number of years ago when I was living in Manchester, um, I went to a church service and heard a talk about this, heard a talk about how um, we need to let heaven come to earth, we need to go and feed the poor. Um, and I was walking back to the bus station in Manchester and I walked past a homeless guy who was lying on the floor and he shouted, Why, God, why? And I was like, ding, ding, ding. Do you know what I mean? Like, sometimes God's subtle. Other times God's like, here you go, sunshine. (laughs) That was one of those moments. And um, me and my friend, we we chatted with this guy. And um, we decided to give him some money. um, And when we gave him the money, um, he asked me for a hug. Now, in my head, I was like, this is brilliant. This is going to make a great preaching story one day. I'm like, I'm, a, I'm my own Scouse version of Tony Campolo. I was like, this is a brilliant moment. So I leaned in for this hug with this guy, guy, and he tapped around my neck, grabbed hold of my gold chain, and snapped it off my neck and ran away. And that gold chain meant a heck of a lot to me. And I went home, and I was gutted. I was angry with God. And do you know that has that, that stuck with me for a long time? And, you know, since that moment, that was probably getting on for 10 years ago. And since that moment, I've probably only had about two or three moments where I've, I've helped somebody who's homeless. Because I've had that hurt in my life and, I, and I've had that pain and when I come to that door, I'm scared to open it. And I don't really want to go there Sometimes. And again, God's challenging me on this and God's, God's stretching me. And when, when I heard the story of the young people in, in Starbridge, I was like, oh, God, why did you let the young people do that? That means I've got to be an example as well. I, <laughs> but God's totally challenging me in that. And for you, there might be things that, that hold you back from opening doors. There might be reasons. There might be, you know, we just haven't got enough money to do that. We ha- I haven't got the time to do that. I haven't got the ability to do that. I'm too insecure to do that. Do you know, for me, I ask myself a question. When I'm stood before God on the the day that I get to heaven, will that excuse be embarrassing? You see, I know when I get before God and God says, did you help some homeless people? I go, no, one day a Manchester guy robbed me chain. I'm going to feel a little bit silly. You see, for you, I wonder if you could ask yourself, on the door that you're refusing to open and the door that you're walking past, Are you going to feel a little bit silly when you get to eternity and give that excuse to the creator of the world?
0: You know, when you're in a relationship with God, God says that you are a citizen of heaven, that your home is not here, but your home is somewhere else. And I guess the question that we want to ask you guys tonight is, are you living for heaven? Are you living as a citizen of heaven, whether that's um, heaven in the future or bringing heaven to earth now? Are you living in a way that shows that your home is somewhere else? That your citizenship, your belonging, the place where you're really, who you are called to be, who you are created to be, is somewhere else? Or do you live like you've kind of made yourself comfortable here? Are you living for heaven? Are we making every opportunity of bringing heaven to earth now? Because as I said before, for some people, that may be the only glimpse of heaven that they ever get.
1: When we were praying earlier before, God gave me a picture and, and God's just reminded me of that picture really of, um, you know in that uh, box, that storage box, um, often a lot of us have got, have got junk in those storage boxes in our attic that actually if we went through we could chuck a whole load of stuff out and create space um, and I just felt like God was saying, for some of you, you've got some junk in your storage, that you've, um, you've got stuff that, that you could probably do with throwing out, you see I'm not, I'm not saying that, that if you're a mess, God can't use you. What I'm saying is, is that, that God wants to take some of your mess and deal with it and use it for his glory. You see, some of that, that junk that you might be carrying might be um, unforgiveness, it might be bitterness, it might be hurt. It might be stuff that you find not helpful or, or that, that you know God says isn't helpful for you. So um, what we want to do is create a space here at the front for you to just come and respond. And uh, some of uh, the ministry team are just going to come and pray for you. Um, and there's nothing specifically special about about the front, but sometimes when God speaks, we're called to move. And it's just a physical response to say, God, would you help me to begin to clear out some of the junk that I've got in storage? And tonight, God God might, might do it in an instant. It might be the beginning of God working over a long period of time but we just want to create that space so if that's you i want to invite you to come now just as we um, begin to sing just come in and stand at the front and, and some of the ministry team will just come and lay a hand on you if you want to share what that is then that's fine if you don't that's cool i'll just pray for you great thank you